God. Okay. As I said, I was glad that the, the children and the teens are in this morning because the message that I am bringing to you this morning may be one of the simplest but most important messages you will ever hear. Now, I know that's setting myself up for failure, but I don't think that's going to happen because, in fact, I gave the basic bones of this message as a devotion at our board of directors meeting in Israel, and it was met with, thank you, I needed that. And this was by the heads of various ministries all over the world. And so what do I want to talk about today? I want to talk about food, water, and air. Food, water, and air. So let me first ask this question. And it's open for three or four answers. How long can you go without food? A long time? How long is a long time, Charlie? Two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. We know our Messiah Yeshua was without food for 40 days. And after that, it says he was very hungry. Well, medically speaking, most doctors agree that healthy humans, healthy humans, can go up to about eight weeks without food as long as they have water. Now, some people have gone longer and have been fine. Some people have starved to death in less time. And if you don't eat on a regular basis, you will physically suffer from what's called malnutrition. I was there once. It's not fun. So here's a second question. How long can you live without water? Days, right? On average, a person can survive three days without water. Some, however, have been reported to survive a week or so. Water is one of the most essential nutrients required by living things. Water does a bunch of stuff. It regulates our body temperature. It helps with digestion. It aids in the disposal of waste material. And it's needed by the brain to produce hormones and neurotransmitters. It's pretty important, if you know what I mean. And lack of sufficient water produces dehydration, a serious condition. In fact, the first day that Tina and I went to Israel, and this happens the first day every time we go to Israel, and it's the instructions we give everybody who goes on tours with us to Israel, we were reminded by friends to drink plenty of water. You don't want to become dehydrated. And what about air? Well, the human body needs oxygen to sustain itself. The decrease of oxygen to at least one part of the body is known as hypoxia. Did I get that right, Christine? Hypoxia. And the total lack of oxygen is known as anoxia. Oh, good. My sister says I did okay. Brain cells are destroyed after four to six minutes without oxygen. When the flow of oxygen to the brain is completely cut off, a person loses consciousness within 10 seconds, and extended hypoxia leads to brain damage 
and ultimately to death. So why, I hear you asking, am I talking about food and water and air, things that our bodies desperately need and things that can lead to death or serious health issues if not taken in properly? Well, here's the reason why. You see, there's physical food, water, and air, but there's also spiritual food and water and air. Deuteronomy 8.3. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And in my 27 years as a believer and 21 years in formal ministry, I've come to the sad conclusion that too many believers are living malnourished spiritual lives. Their intake of the word is sporadic at best and absent at worst. John seven thirty seven and 38. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Yeshua stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You see, not only does our own spiritual life depend on the water that flows from the life of our Messiah, the word of God, but our witness flows from that water as well. When you don't, what you don't take in, you can't give out. And dear ones, there are too many believers living dehydrated spiritual lives. We live in dry times spiritually and need constant refreshing from the water of the word. John fourteen twenty six. But the Helper, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. Just as oxygen allows the body to function properly, so the Spirit of God, allows us to learn, remember, and live out his life in us. Are too many believers living on the verge of spiritual anoxia and hypoxia? I'm afraid so. And by the way, this problem is a problem for everybody. Yours truly is not excluded. There have been many times in my life as a believer when I have been spiritually malnourished, dehydrated, and oxygen deprived. It's a problem for all of us. 
the pressures of work, the pressures of family, the pressures of school, the pressures of finances, all of these can push the necessary intake of the word of God down the priority list. And we've all been there. And for me in my personal life, I had to take this step in order to make sure that I wouldn't be malnourished, dehydrated, or oxygen deprived. You see, my morning routine used to be wake up. Well, that's a good start. Do what I needed to do in the bathroom. Go downstairs, walk the dog, feed the dog, make a cup of coffee, and go to the computer to see what emails I might have to answer. Is anybody with me? Where in my priority chain is the Word of God? Now, look, I'm in the Word every week. I mean, I have to be in order to prepare a message. But that kind of in the Word is not the same as in the word, being present with the word, taking time with the word, not for a purpose to make a message, but for life. And so now my routine has changed. I get up in the morning, do my stuff, walk the dog, feed the dog, make a cup of coffee, and sit down with scripture. The change is amazing. I am more tolerant. I am happier. I seem to solve problems easier. I seem to discern between problems that are mine to solve and problems that aren't. Why? Because I've put the priority of reading the Word as a top priority in my daily schedule. Dear ones, Messages on TV are wonderful. Messages on the radio are wonderful. Listening to YouTube broadcasts is great. None of it substitutes for spending time with the Word. Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen to 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations immersing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. How can we, as a congregation, and how can we, as individuals, fulfill this commandment this biblical obligation, this great commission, if we're not properly fed, watered, and oxygenated, I don't think we can. And if you look at the Jewish outreach ministry of the first century, it was a ministry of properly interpreting and teaching the Word of God. The Word of God. Say it with me. The Word of God. You see it all through the book of Acts. Even Yeshua's first discipleship lesson in the book of Matthew for his 12 was a proper understanding and interpretation of the word of God. Most people call it the Sermon on the Mount. I prefer to call it the teaching on the hill. Discipleship 101. 
It was a proper understanding of the Tanakh, the Hebrew scriptures, that brought both Jews and Gentiles to a saving knowledge of the Lord in the first century. Should it be any different today? I don't think so. The food of the word is watered by the teaching of the word and brought to life by the spirit of the word. By the way, that's tweetable. The food of the word is watered by the teaching of the word and brought to life by the spirit of the word. It's discipleship and evangelism at its most basic and effective level. It should be part and parcel of what we do here at Son of David Congregation and wherever the body of Messiah is represented in the world. When I first went to Israel, I forget now if it was 204 or 205, I went with the Chosen People Ministries vice presidents to see the building that they had bought. And for the first time, it was owned and operational. And while we were in Israel, we traveled to other ministries in the land, to Tiberias, Tel Aviv, Netanya, Jerusalem. We wanted to let them know that we had a building, but it didn't belong to us. It belonged to the body. And they were able to use it as long as we weren't. We wanted to make it available for everybody in the land to use. And everywhere we went, we asked them as we closed our meeting with this question, how can we pray for your ministry? Now, as you can imagine, there were many answers, but there was one answer that was common for every ministry. Please, they said, pray that the Lord will send spiritual fathers and mothers to the land to mentor and disciple the many new Jewish believers. It was that prayer that brought Tina and I and our family to Israel in 2007. It's that prayer that drives us and burdens us here in the United States. It's that prayer that we hope will have us mentoring and counseling and discipling believers so that they may be better witnesses for Messiah, living lives that, as a friend once said, demand a question, and living lives that are truly joyous and abundant and hopeful. As a matter of fact, just last week in Israel, Tina and I had three divine appointments with people at that conference where we needed to give them scriptural advice with issues that they were facing. Dear ones, discipleship and counseling is needed by all, and in all accounts it's lacking wherever believers live. It deals with our relationship with God, it deals with our relationship with others, and it deals with our relationship with ourselves. How can we love God and others? How can we love God and others if we are not feeding on, drinking in, and breathing the word of God. And it's interesting that each of the people that we met, they had one very important issue to deal with, an issue that I think we all need to deal with, and that issue is forgiveness. And so allow me this morning to spend a little time in application of the word this morning on this notion of forgiveness. I want you to open your Bibles or phones or tablets to Matthew 5, 21 and 22. It's a well-known verse, but it's a verse that some, you need to spend time with in, under, to, in order to understand the depth 
of what it's talking about. Our Messiah Yeshua is speaking to the twelve on top of a hill. He says, you've heard that it was said. You've heard that it was said to those of old. You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother shall be in danger of the judgment. It was taught by all the rabbis in Israel that murder was not permitted. That was the letter of the law. But Yeshua was getting to the spirit of the law. Now, I truly do not believe that he was afraid that people were going to go around and kill each other. I don't think that we have a problem like this at Son of David congregation. But is this teaching applicable to us? You bet. So follow along with me. What did Yeshua say that precedes murder? Anger. Anger precedes murder. I'm reading from Genesis 4. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering, an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn, the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. I won't go into the whole thing, but Cain only brought an offering. His brother Abel brought the first fruits. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. It was Cain's anger that preceded his murder of his brother Abel. So what then precedes anger? Well, what precedes anger? Hate. Genesis twenty-seven forty-one. So Esau hated Jacob, hated Jacob, because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, quote, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother. So anger precedes murder. Hate precedes anger. What precedes hate? An offense. This one may be a little harder to understand, but follow along with me. Matthew eleven two 2-6. And when John, this is John the Immerser, had heard in prison about the works of Messiah, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Oh, by the way, this is the same John who said over and over again, He's the one. He's the one. It's not me. He's the one. He's the one. And yet he tells his disciples to go to Yeshua and ask him, Are you the one? Yeshua answered and said to them, I love this answer. Go and tell John, I don't know if he said it that way, but that's how I would have said it. Go and tell John the things which you see and hear. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Are you ready? And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So let me explain. John's in prison. Yeshua comes to the same city. He may have been there for a whole week. Did he come and see John? No. He's out doing what the Messiah should be doing. Letting blind people see. Having lame people walk. Cleansing lepers. Preaching the gospel. 
And somehow in my own mind, I'm thinking that John is saying to himself, he's been here for a whole week and he can't come and see me? And Yeshua says, blessed is he who's not offended because of me. It's easy to be offended. Can I get a hand of anybody who has ever been offended? Yeah, 100%. And if your hand's not up, you're just not telling the truth right now. You went out of your way to do something and nobody recognized you. Someone spoke falsely about you and it got back to you, affected how people approached you. You have a talent, but nobody recognizes it. It's easy to be offended. And you know what proceeds in offense? Blocked goals. Unfulfilled expectations. But there's an answer to blocked goals and unfulfilled expectations that lead to offenses, that lead to anger, that leads to hate, that leads to murder. And the answer is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Genesis 33, 1-4. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him were 400 men. All right, now put yourself in Jacob's sandals. I wore my sandals today so I could be authentic. Put yourself in Jacob's sandals. What's the last thing you remember about your brother Esau? He's out to get you. And now you see him coming with 400 men. So what does Jacob do? He divides the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. He puts the maidservants and their children in the front, Leah and her children behind, Rachel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. He ran to meet him, embraced him, fell on his neck, and kissed him, and they wept. How could this happen without forgiveness? It can't. So I want to close with a personal story. A few years ago, during the week before Yom Kippur, the week in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the week that we're supposed to inspect our souls, I realized that I was very mad at a brother in the Lord. In fact, so mad that I would speak badly about him to those who were close to me because I felt comfortable gossiping with friends. Oh, nobody here has ever done that. I was angry at how I had been treated, publicly disrespected in a large ministry meeting. It was offensive to me that what had happened, and not just once, but a few times with this person, had taken place. You see, my expectations of how I was supposed to be treated were not met, and it even caused me embarrassment at a very important ministry event. But as I searched my soul that Yom Kippur season, I realized that I was carrying that anger and letting it fester in my soul, and I needed to forgive in order to free myself from its grip.
Now, I know that there are some people in here this morning who have anger issues that aren't just a day old, a week old, or a month old, but years old. Some of us like to rehearse those issues, don't we? I can't believe he did that to me. Well, when did that happen? Seven years ago. Who is that non-forgiveness affecting? The person you need to forgive or you? As I searched my soul that Yom Kippur season, I realized that I was carrying that anger and letting it fester in my soul. And I needed to forgive in order to free myself from its grip. And forgiveness was the only answer. And my letter asking for forgiveness was not only met with love, it sparked the need to deal with some forgiveness issues with the person that I wrote to. Now, I'm not afraid that anyone here this morning is going to go out and kill anybody. But I am very sure that there are some forgiveness issues in this sanctuary this morning that need to be dealt with. Maybe with someone here. Maybe with a family member. Maybe with someone else in the ministry. Maybe with someone at work. I mean, who knows? And so my prayer this morning is that we would let the word of God feed our minds. Let the water of Messiah refresh our souls. And let the spirit move in us to take care of that anger and not to hold on to it anymore. Now, Tina and I do teachings on forgiveness. I don't have time this morning to go through all that. But very simply, you have to recognize that you have been hurt. You have to recognize how that hurt made you feel. You have to recognize that in order for you to have health and freedom from that hurt, you need to forgive and to hold harmless the person who offended you. And if that's you today, Don't let this weekend go by without taking care of it. And if it's someone here that you need to forgive or someone here that you need to ask forgiveness of, don't let this Shabbat service go by without you taking care of it. I'm reminded of this verse, Ephesians 4.32. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Messiah forgave you. Amen.